Well, here we are. We're finally live. I feel like this has taken longer than I would have liked to finally organize and sit down, but you've been very busy yourself jetting around the world, going to Berlin. Yeah, so it's, I'm uh, so nice sorry. To... <laughs> <laughs> I've been like that with everyone this month. I've just been a bit... I didn't have Wi-Fi for the first month in my apartment, so it meant that I just couldn't really do anything wow. at all. Um, and then I've just been so busy like trying to find my feet here that everything else is... Sort of everything everything in the uk feels a bit further away if that makes sense and yeah, so it's just harder to, it's harder to like keep up with everything that's going on um yeah we're gonna talk a little bit about wh- what life is like in berlin yeah. later on <laughs> okay. um I'm interested to find out because I've got friends from Germany who who have the you know that sort of opposing opinion of what it's like to live in Germany and that and they study in the UK. So I'm interested yeah. to get your take on what your opinion on it's like. Um, but some of the things we're going to be chatting about hopefully today, which I'm looking forward to, is you're an Oxford graduate, which is really exciting. Going to get find out hopefully a lot of useful information about that. Um, we're going to talk about mental health, which is a big you know important topic that I cover a lot on this podcast. Um, and just some fun little games in between and have a bit of a laugh. So I hope you're, I hope you're looking forward to, to doing it. Um, usually what I like to do when I start this podcast is allow you 30 seconds. What are you doing? What's going on in your life? What do you want people to know about? Take it away. It's, the, the stage is yours. Okay. Um, gosh, where to start? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, so my name's Eve. I am 20 years old. I study German and Spanish at the University of Oxford. I'm currently on my year abroad, so I'm taking a little, not well, not really a hiatus. It's part of my degree before I go back yeah. and do my final year. Um, and yeah, I, I'm hoping I'm an aspiring journalist, um, and I do YouTube, and that's about all. And I that's yeah, that's about all there is to know about me, really. <laughs> <laughs> I've been speaking to a lot of people on this podcast, and somehow. They always seem to talk about you. Me. Oh god. Which I found <laughs> So if from my perspective, I've sort of been on this this journey of talking to people and then, you know, that they're mentioning you a lot and, and, and how you've influenced them. And then finally I'm here to speak to you. What 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 do you think people have been saying about you? Some of it's funny actually. What 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 do you think people say about you when when people say your name? Um so I mean when I was younger um was usually quite negative things uh, when I first started my YouTube channel um girls at my school were not particularly lovely and there are still people mm. the, the school next door was even worse um but there's still people who aren't very nice about me but most of the time now especially now I do study videos rather than like beauty um it's yeah. actually really lovely because people are like oh you really helped me get an A in this exam or you helped me like revise or you helped me pick a university and I don't think I actually deep sometimes that I've probably indirectly had an influence on like a lot of people's lives, which is really, yeah. really cool. Um, but that's, yeah. that's why, like, I hate the word influencer. Like I hate it to the passion, but I don't feel as like uncomfortable saying it as I used to, because I feel like I probably mm. do influence people through my videos somehow. So. Oh no, you really do. I will try and avoid saying the word influencer from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I just it, it's not as bad as content creator. I really don't like that either. But I just find influencer well, like just really like I don't know, just annoying. It's a bit self-absorbed, I suppose. Yeah, it's like look at me, like I'm influencing yeah. everybody. I just I don't know, not my not my cup of tea. <laughs> no. Um. So to give you a bit of context about like what people were saying on the podcast that I spoke to, and you'll hear about it if you listen to them. Um. Liv Rook especially was just singing your praises quite a lot. Um. You know, you giving her advice about 
you know, having your off days, that's the one thing that she's taken. You know, it's okay to have an off day. Uh, and, you know, because she looks up to you as someone who's like so on it and you are like so productive, so on it. You know, you, you, you're the kind of person who exhumes sort of having your life put together. And, and I'm sure for you, I'm sure for you that uh, like a lot of people, when you look from someone from the outside, it appears like that. But then when you speak to someone and find out the truth, it might not be so clear cut. But for her, it's like you're this sort of idol for her and 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 that's what she said i mean would you have, what do you think about that what do, you, what do you think about liv saying that well liv is one of my best friends um we we talk about every day and i really look up to liv actually for you know she's been through a lot and she always always you know it's just so strong and so resilient and mm. i actually really admire her i admire her drive i admire everything about her um and so for her to say that is really sweet but she knows she for she of all people knows that my, i'm really everyone thinks that i'm really put together and i'm not trying to say that i'm not i am relatively put together but i i have i'm not like this um super perfect super organized like um person that's productive 24 7 um no I'm, I'm actually of course not, not. <laughs> since i've got to germany i've spent most of my evenings watching love island so i mean like i've bet i'm not doing really any at the moment i'm doing my internship and like that's literally it i'm having like a year yeah. off my life basically year off life no honestly that's what it feels like i mean we can talk about it later yeah. but it's literally what it feels like um but no um I, I personally, as much as it's really nice to receive compliments from like subscribers and stuff, hearing it from people yeah. that are really close to you um, mm -hmm. is really sweet. So Liv, if you're listening, because I'll be listening to Liv's podcast, then love you. Oh yeah. Hers was a really fun one. I, I loved speaking to her. She was so uh, inspiring. So inspiring. So fantastic. So interesting. And genuinely one of yeah. the kindest people I've ever met. So yeah. yeah. We we did a really good segment actually where we we looked back through all of her like most iconic gig shots um, and she she loved doing that and she she said afterwards that she loved doing that so that's one to check out if you want if you want to see one she's a very very talented photographer so oh yeah <laughs> I, I, I gathered yeah. <laughs> very quickly <laughs> um, but another person who uh, said something funny which caught me completely off guard was when I spoke to Jade and I was playing a game with her where I was, it was like a never have I ever like uni edition thing. And she basically said that you would be the most likely person when a banger comes on in the club to be shouting oi oi whilst like throwing, <laughs> whilst like throwing shapes. I sound completely uncool when I say this. And that was the whole reason because, you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a particularly like lads person. I don't know if you can tell. Um, so the point was to make it look a bit funny and and she said that you would be the most likely person in her opinion to do that in a club and i found that hilarious it caught me off guard what do you think is this jade is in on jaded jade yeah yeah to be honest to be honest yeah i mean i would be that sort of, i am that sort of person like i i love clubbing i do i absolutely love going out i love having a party i love having a drink and i uh, people always say that i am the life of the party in the sense that if there's a banger on like i will be the first on the dance floor being like yeah <laughs> so uh, no absolutely and also i feel like oi oi is quite a midlands thing like where i'm from yeah. people are like oh oi oi you know so i feel like yeah that's that's a fair assessment of me to be honest i i, I, can't, <laughs> I would I, I was i was hoping to be like oh my god that's so not true but no that is, that is <laughs> very true 
So, <laughs> so I've hit the nail on the head there, sort of. Essentially, to, yeah. Essentially, yeah. honestly, you have, yeah. <laughs> find it, finding out all the all the top bits. Hot gossip, book. Eve is most likely to be oi oi in a in a club, yeah, basically. <laughs> oh dear me! I was going to talk about before we go on to talk about sort of like the main uh, topic of this, which is like Oxford and what that's all like. Um, you mentioned just you know just then that you hate the word influencer. Has there been any occasion where perhaps being in that social media like bubble hasn't been as positive that has really stuck out for the last few years yes and no so like it, it's a weird thing because i started when i was 14 around 13 mm. maybe even i can't even this is the thing is i can't remember a time where i didn't do it so for me yeah. it's not like being in it being an influencer being yeah. like being on social media Inverted commas. for me i can't remember a time where i didn't have a um obviously I don't have a massive following which I'm actually really grateful for and I never wanted to have because then I would have quit my studies and built my YouTube up you know to like way more subscribers than it has I'm really like happy yeah. with the level that of people that follow me but I've, I'm used to, I'm just used to if I tweet a question I'll get an answer or if I tweet if I put an, something on my Instagram story people will reply to it if I put something yeah. on Facebook I, do, do you know what I mean like I'll get a response yeah um yeah. So I would describe it as kind of like a just a constant hum in the background of my life, like in that, like it's just kind of a steady. I would say that it's definitely had a negative in, um, impact on my mental health, like long term, just in the sense of you're living always just people have always got opinions on what you're doing, um, which when it's coming from people in real life, if people in real life are criticizing me, I know that I trust their opinion because they care about me. Yeah. Whereas you've just got hundreds of thousands of people who can just hide behind a screen and it actually becomes quite, so when people call me fat or ugly, or whatever, that doesn't bother me at all. Cause I can just delete the comment and I know it's a troll, but when people mm. comment on oh, stupid, it's stupid things like, Oh, like wh why do you eat your breakfast at that time? Or like, why do you organize your life in this way? And it really does start. It's very, really, really insidious. And it starts to make you question yeah. and make you, it makes you into a people pleaser, which is really, really bad for your mental health. So I think that that would be the, the one thing I would say is that I am have always been very concerned about what people in think of me online, which then transfers into real life, which can then actually damage your relationships in real life because you, you're just perception of the world is a little bit different when you, you're living a little bit under a microscope. Mm. Yeah, that's... Yeah, we're going to get into a lot more about that stuff Um later on um because i can tell you're very passionate about it and you have a lot to say and i want to make sure that you you have that ability to say it i mean you know you're very vocal about it on your own channel so it's good to see that you know you're showing that this is a normal thing and and all the people that i've spoken to a lot of them have said similar things about you know you expose yourself to that audience and it's not always the most positive experience so yeah uh, yeah it's good it's uh yeah we'll cover that in a, in a moment um what I wanted to talk about is now Oxford, right? So we're going to start from the beginning or as or as early back as you can recall. I know it's probably a while ago now. <laughs> yeah, it actually um, is. Yeah, it's been so long now. You don't realise how, how quick it passes, to be honest. It's I mean, really depressing. Got... Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's pretty depressing. It's very depressing. Yeah. But let's try and keep it positive. Keep, keep you know, yeah. keep, keep our hopes up. Um, so 
first off, like what what are you studying at Oxford? Because uh, I haven't I haven't asked that yet. Uh, I study German and Spanish. Um, I don't think it's got a fancy name. I think it is literally just BA German and Spanish. I know at Cambridge it's modern and medieval languages, but I think it's just German and Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> so o- o- Oxford's not being as bougie as uh, Cambridge in that regard. Yeah, in that regard, I feel like they're more bougie in a lot of regards, but not in that mm. regard. <laughs> Not in that one. Um, I think the most sort of intimidating thing about Oxford, or one of the most intimidating things, when you go into that interview, um, what is it like to, to interview for a, for, a, for a place at Oxford? I don't think I'd ever had an interview before that day. And you obviously would imagine, like, I'd done so much prep. Um, yeah. But interviews aren't really something you can prep for because each tutor, li- literally each individual tutor does it differently. So my first interview um felt like it was literally the worst 20 minutes apart from my driving tests no actually no it was, <laughs> it was the worst 40 minutes of my life like honestly actually i would say I it's really, not on par with the driving test then the driving test was nearly as bad but wasn't as bad as my ox interview that first one because um he just didn't really give a lot away he was very stone-faced and yeah um i panicked and he was asking me really really complex questions like um, he didn't ask me anything about my personal statement. He was just asking about this poem that I didn't really understand. And I just felt like he was trying to catch me out, essentially, which he wasn't. He's actually a lovely guy. Um, that's just his interview style. And I found out later, obviously, that I had done pretty well and that I'd already got a place. You yeah. know, that they, they were like, yeah. But I went into my second interview so convinced that I hadn't got in. But my second interview was actually really lovely. And we spoke about things I was really interested in. Um, so I think they're just so, each one is so different. I could, you, there is no formula for an Oxford mm. interview. It is depends on the tutor's mood that day, on your mood, what room it's in, what the weather is like, everything. So I wouldn't want to do it you're not You're not superstitious, are you? Like, no, you know. <laughs> it's one of those things where I wouldn't want to do it again, ever in my life. I wouldn't want to do it again. Um, yeah. But it is actually very similar to what the actual tutorial experience is like when you get here. Obviously, mm-hmm. when you get here, you don't have to prove yourself what you kind of like a lot of people feel like they do but that's a whole other story but like you don't have to be proving yourself because you've got the place but the actual style of like just the two of you sat in the office you know talking about a piece of literature that's basically what my degree is so yeah there's a cautionary tale to be learned from jack edwards i'd assume you know jack i I assume you're quite close friends with jack um i read his book recently where he talked about his uh, interview and then subsequent re- rejection from Oxford. It was it was Oxford, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was interviewing for English Lit, I believe, and really? he was supposed to read this book, or he'd said he'd read this book, that then when he got to the interview, he hadn't subsequently read it for many years, and then he got to the interview, and the interviewer was, like, questioning him on how the book began. Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> so... Like, I remember seeing that story... Which meant I, I did I, I think if I'd have been asked that question, I wouldn't have known for any of my books either. That's actually that's a really horrible question. Like that is really horrible. Yeah. I got asked, "Is poetry death?" Which was fun. So they do ask you some weird ones, but they're always in, interesting. They're always in context of something else. You see all these horrible questions like, "Tell me about a banana" and stuff, but they'll always be like in the context of the conversation. So yeah, yeah. I suppose people like to uh, to help create that atmosphere of oxford being this mental place they like to take questions from interviews sort of out of context to make it seem like it's a proper mental process 
and it can be a bit more natural when you're actually there doing it. I suppose. It is more natural. I mean, you, you know, it's a com- it's a conversation is what it is. Um, it can sometimes yeah. feel like an interrogation, but it's supposed to be a conversation. Yeah. What would you say that you were most worried about before going to Oxford? Was it what you said just then about feeling like you had to prove yourself a lot? Yeah. Or, or... Yeah. Straight up. Like I wasn't worried about making friends or anything because I knew that like, I mean, for me, I just, once you get over that initial nerves, like you're literally living on a corridor with people. Like I'm just the sort of person that can make friends quite quickly like that. Um, But for me, it was always the academic. So like you go from being like the best at your school or like one of the best at your school to, to a, to a university where everyone is that good, if not better. Yeah. Um, And all the way through my first year, I just felt so, I just felt so stupid. Like I had such bad imposter syndrome all the way through my first year which actually really was really stupid because honestly, when I got my exam results in first year, I was like, why? Okay, well, I definitely deserve to be here. Um, And my tutors were like, you deserve to be here. And for a tutor to say that, because I was just doubting myself so much. um, It means a lot. Yeah, she said it to me just before my exams. And she was like, just remember that you deserve your place here. Um, And I've never forgotten that. Um, But there's something about the Oxford environment that makes you feel like you don't deserve to be there. And even now, going into like what will be my final year, like you, you never, you never lose like a little bit of that. Or did they make a mistake? Like, did they send a letter to the wrong place? (laughs) Like, yeah. Which is just ridiculous to think that. But do you think more people need to be told by people like, you know, seminars and tutors and stuff that they have a right to be there? I think, yeah, I think sometimes the culture with Oxford tutors they don't praise very often and I'm not here trying to say that they should be like worshipping the ground you walk on and praising you for everything that you do but I do sometimes feel like you only get so the general rule I find with tutors is that if they don't say anything bad then you can assume that it's a good piece of work like they'll, it's fine. they'll only yeah. ever say like they'll only ever put points of improvement and I think sometimes that can make you feel like you're not performing very well but in reality mm. then you get your report at the end of the term and they, then they say nice things in your report um but right. i think maybe sometimes just a bit i'm not i'm not saying that they should be like babying you or coddling you and telling you that you're incredible like they should definitely definitely give you things to improve on but i think sometimes also highlighting the things that they've done well would would <laughs> would go a long way yes. for a lot of some tutors are really 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 like harsh and don't say anything at all like nice and some are some some of my tutors are really really lovely some mm-hmm. not but they're not lovely people or whatever. i just mean they're they're marking style. um <laughs> you're having to like clarify yourself are you like worried that well, you're just, gonna I'm get just, like a hit put out on you know. by some Imagine oxford tutors, I, tutors watch this and they're thinking oh my god does she think i'm horrible like i i really like all my tutors as people but some of them will write like a paragraph of things you've done well and then a paragraph of improvements and some will just write right. like you'll you'll never get a positive comment from them so yeah yeah I mean, it doesn't hurt to get a compliment every now and then. Like, it can be yeah. a massive boost. Especially when you are performing relatively well, you know, like just to know that mm. you're not, because it makes you feel like you're not, um, which can then actually yeah. be really damaging long term. So, yeah. Yeah. Just to get a bit more context about Oxford in general, because you guys run a collegiate system, as far as I'm aware. Um, you, the University of York does the same. We have a collegiate system. It's not as intense as Oxford, though, I don't think. Um, but yeah, I think it would be a good opportunity to find out about some of these colleges, um, what people perhaps could expect, what you know about them, obviously. Um, and just just give me like, you know, some of the stereotypes, some of the things that you know, and then the people that you've met, I'd assume, 
you know, probably fit some of those stereotypes or don't fit and, and how the reality is. You know how it works. Yeah, so it's really nice that we have a collegiate system. I don't think I now, like, I don't think I could go to a uni that doesn't have one just because it's a perfect mix of campus and city uni. The, the university yeah. is in the city, so you don't have to travel to go into the city, but you also have your mini home with like a gym yeah. and like a commute, a pre-made community essentially. Um, and I'm really so gutted that COVID like took like so much of that away from me, you know, because when mm. I when I go back yeah. now. I'll be doing exams um, and basically my year without exams, my one year was anyway. Um, but um, <laughs> make, make use of it, make use anyway, of it. It's really or lo- try at least. It's really lovely. Um, and so, but each college is kind of, they do say that, you know, at the end of the day, college doesn't matter because you, you, you're not guaranteed to get your first choice of college. No. But I think college does matter to an extent um, just because mm-hmm. different colleges are known for having different vibes. They have different, um, levels of like this the the sort of staff at like different levels of lenient or affectionate not affectionate but like just very some are really nice and welcoming and some are very stuck in their ways um but the ones that are stuck in their ways tend to have more cool traditions and like big fancy buildings look like they're from harry potter and so yeah. there are pros and cons of all of them some mm-hmm. are known for taking more private school kids um some are known for taking less some are known for to, like for example like particular types of boys you know like things like that like oh you don't you wouldn't want to date a boy from x college or what do you know um so <laughs> right okay every college comes i'm, I'm, I'm excited to find out yeah yeah i'm so. excited to find out it's, it's like the disclaimer before a movie <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah be aware of. that this is <laughs> dot 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 um Right, so you know how it works. I'm just going to throw them out to you um, one at a time, and you just you just give me what you know on them. It okay. can be as 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 in deep or as you know surface level as you like. This is completely in your court. Um, okay. So yeah, we're just going to play the game. The first one that I've got written down, I've forgotten how to pronounce it again already. <laughs> it's the Baliol. 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 I think some people say Baliol. College. Some people say Baliol. Some people say Baliol. Um, it's because I'm from the north. It's, yeah, <laughs> Balliol is um, on the high street. No, it's not on the high street. That's a lie. It's it's in the centre of town. We're, we're off to a good start already. Oh, it's, uh, no, it's not on the high street. It's it's on. Oh my god, what street is it on? Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what street it's on. It's in the centre of town. Um, like um, Boris Johnson went there, I believe. Um, That's a big name to throw out. Yeah, it was Boris Johnson. Yeah, it was. I was thinking. Yeah, no, he did. He definitely went to Balliol. Um, it's known as being one of the richer colleges, tends mm. to have a higher proportion of private school kids. It's definitely one right. of the more like Oxford, Oxford colleges. Are these that, people coming from like Harrow and Eton and places like it that? It has a high concentration of Eton people as far as I know. There are also people there that, you know, go to state schools. Everyone I know from Balliol is really super lovely, but I, I do also not know that many people from Balliol. I'm not trying to say that they're horrible there. But it definitely has a stereotype, like a reputation for like not exactly being known as like a super, super welcoming college. And they, you know. Right. But I don't know any more about Balliol. So I'm not going to comment any further because I don't want to anger people watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really worried that this whole game, I'm just going to have people coming at me in my DMs with pitchforks. Like, don't how worry. dare you? <laughs> um, no, right. You're not doing your job right as a journalist if you don't anger people. That's true. So. I've got to get used to it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Right, number two, um, Jesus College. Jesus is really small college. Um, it's there's a little street tucked away called I want to say Tell Street. I think it's Tell Street. My streets. I've I've been away for like six months. I've forgotten everything. Um, but it's got loads of it's got loads of little colleges on Exeter, Jesus, and 
LinkedIn and they're all really small, but I've heard that they're very like welcoming communities. Jesus is the Welsh college. So it's got like, it's got some sort of links with Wales. I can't remember what the link what, is. What is that about? It's not just like a, an overwhelmingly Welsh population, Something is it? To do, it has, it, I don't, I can't remember exactly why, but it is the Welsh college. Um, and it's very small. I think you can only live on site in first year because it's so small. Whereas at my college, you can live on site right. the whole, your whole degree unless you do a oh. four-year degree and you're not going abroad like but three years of your degree guaranteed um but yeah jesus is really nice everyone i've met from that is also really friendly um but it is quite a small and insular college so everybody knows everybody the year groups are very small so things sort of like rumors spread quite quickly sounds cozy but yeah it has its perks and it has its drawbacks yeah yeah <laughs> okay number three christchurch Christchurch uh, is okay, so it's big sigh. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, it's absolutely, it's absolutely huge. Um, it's not the richest college, but it's the most like prestigious college. Like when you think of Oxford, you think of Christchurch. A lot of Harry Potter was filmed there, I think, as well. It's like it's. I the, didn't it, know that. It's like the most That's Oxford cool. Oxford college that you right. can possibly imagine. Um, it does not have a good reputation at all. Um, a lot of in people, what way? A lot of the people there unknown this is annoying because there are people that i know that go to christchurch that are super lovely but yeah super open in the fact that oh, it's not very hot on access there's a lot of private school kids not that all private kids school kids are horrible but the atmosphere can be quite toxic there, quite stuck in its ways mm. um yeah. there's like all male drinking societies a lot of toxic masculinity um the staff have been known to be quite stuck in their ways as well. The porters, there's been lots of racism scandals at Christchurch as well, Ooh. especially. Not to say, this is not me saying that racism no. is confined to Christchurch, but um, both the staff and the students um, have been involved in, in, in scandals surrounding racism. So basically, just not anyone's favourite college, really. Right. <laughs> um, I think it's important. I think it's important to you know talk about them in general, anyway. Um, so then people can make their own decision, and you know. But what would you you say though? Let's try and make it an equal sort of more balanced argument. The people that you've met personally are a bit more like normal, nice, yeah. less racist. Yeah, <laughs> some, of my, some of my really really good friends from um, from Christchurch are absolutely lovely, but they have also been open with me saying that it was difficult it was difficult going there it was a it wasn't the yeah. easiest time and um you know they definitely encountered a lot of prejudice and a lot of privileged people and mm. that but that can happen at all colleges i think that sometimes just christchurch by nature there tends to be more of them than in other places fair enough right N number four all souls college all souls is a graduate college i believe so you can't go there okay. and it's it's like it's like the creme to the creme i swear they only admit like eight people a year or something and you have eight. to you have to you have to do like so many entrance tests like more entrance tests than yeah. you actually have to do than you know to get into oxford and but if you get in there right. i think you're guaranteed like a fellowship or something that like you're guaranteed ah uh. like, something you're guaranteed i think yeah. to like get a position as a tutor at oxford or something something along those lines but it's really really bougie really really big and has yeah an absolutely tiny graduate body because you have to be like the best of the best to get into all souls i actually know one of my tutors um who was an undergraduate at oxford and then was my tutor in first year for a while 
she she did she, yeah. she got into all souls so if you're watching Ooh, you're absolutely good for her yeah she's yeah. she's incredibly clever so I, I was not surprised but it sounds strict it sounds strict as all hell though to get to get uh, in That's... yeah you have to jump through a lot more hoops than you do to, to yeah. get into actual oxford and actual oxford is a pain to get into as well so mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Just in general, Just it's in general, really difficult. Yeah, I mean, if, if you go to All Souls, that's like you have like you are the best of the best. Like, yeah, you've made it. You've made it at that point. Oh, you, you couldn't know, really, you, you couldn't really get much higher, to be honest. No, no, you're on your way for one of those coveted fellowship, whatever they're it's called. Something like when you that. Become a fellow. Yeah. Oxford's got a lot of annoying language. Not even I don't know a lot of it. So, <laughs> right, um, number seven. It's Lady Margaret Hall. That's my college um so it's a little bit further out um the general stereotype in oxford is that it's really really far away from the center and everyone's like oh my god you live miles away i can literally say from my door of my bedroom to my faculty door is like 12 minutes which is really just not that far if you cycle it's like four minutes it's really not right um and also i prefer it because it means that you feel like you're coming home at the end of the day a lot of my friends who live in yeah. the center just felt like they were living in a bubble of like their college their faculty at like tesco and it was all just so close together and oxford city center usually pre-covid is packed with tourists and um, so i love i love it i love being able to come back we have massive grounds and the community is actually known for being very welcoming very friendly we have a lot of access events outreach events um relatively high proportion of state school students. We have the foundation year, which was set up yeah. to allow people who for one reason or another have been disadvantaged in their studies and didn't get the grades that they should have really got to come to Oxford, which means that they can get into Oxford. Um, like V, for example, she's another YouTuber. She went in through a foundation year and she got grades that would not normally, you know, be the right grades for Oxford, but she's incredibly talented and clever. Um, and she's now just graduated from Oxford and she's doing a master's at Harvard. So Awesome. Basically, Sounds like the perfect college. It really is. I mean, apart from the fact that it's it's slightly more, it's not like old Oxford brick, you know, it was built in sort mm. of the 80s. It was the first all women's college. So we've always just been very like trendsetters. Very progressive, um, yeah. Very progressive. We're always like the first. For Oxford. We're always the first, yeah, <laughs> for Oxford, but we are always the first to do things basically. Um, apart from like, there's a couple, a couple of colleges that would dispute that, but we are. Um, and yeah, so it's super friendly, super open and the architecture is really stunning. And we have a wildflower meadow and we have acres and acres and acres of gardens. We have like a section of the river. You can go like punting with boats and there's mate, like, like hedge mazes and deer and loads of wildlife and really nice. I'm sold. It sounds great. It sounds like a sounds like a holiday. Um, it feels like a holiday apart from yeah. when you have like deadlines like coming at you. Yeah, apart from that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, right. Number eight, Regents Park College. Regents Park College is not. Te I think it is a college. It's like a. It's called a PPH. Um, I can't remember what that stands for. I think the second bit is private hall. So it might be like permanent private hall or something like that. And it's. Right. Um, you can only do a certain amount of subjects there. I think like theology and philosophy and stuff because it's kind of like a religious college they're very small on the high street like really 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 small they wouldn't even count yep. as a college but um yeah they, they've got something to do with the church again don't really know exactly what they have to do probably two years ago i could have told you i feel like i knew everything about like every single college but yeah basically <laughs> they're like relatively religious and i don't know if you have to be religious to go there i'm not really sure but, but it would help they're quite small and I think um, maybe run, I think they have like religious people on site as well. Like, 
I don't think they're run by monks or anything. Or maybe they are. I'm not sure. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, there's two of them. There's St. Bennett's, which is my name. And then, um, yeah, St. Regent's Park. Yeah. Sounds good. Right. Number 10, New College. New College is another really big college, another really like Harry Potter style college. They fit, they didn't just film. So the Cloisters at New College is where they filmed the like ferret scene, you know, where Draco Malfoy gets turned to a ferret. <gasps> yeah, yeah that's so awesome no way and the steps, the steps in new college are also the famous like steps that all of the harry potter students go up they also film Mamma Mia 2 oh. there that was where Mamma Mia 2 was filmed um, i'm a massive harry potter fan just so you know i'm a huge harry potter fan i'm probably more i've been to harry potter world oh so got you, my own wand you should go to new college then usually it's full of tourists really really pretty college um yeah but, and quite traditional but everyone I know there is really lovely, but again, does have, is known for its sort of like toxic, you know, all male drinking societies and stuff. But like even, even LMH, I think has an all male drinking society, I think. Um, but yeah, quite a few private school kids there, but also um, I wouldn't say it's got the reputation that Christchurch has. So yeah, ah. I really like New College. I, mean, I, I think it's really nice. Yeah. Just from the Harry Potter like memories, that would be that would be sick to go. Um, last one is the uh, I believe yeah Worcester College. Yeah, Worcester's my second favorite apart from my college. I I study so with our college doesn't have a German tutor per se. We actually have we share with Worcester, so I, I have half right. of my classes at Worcester. All my all, everything to do with German is at Worcester College, um, and so I've been there a lot. It is a bit more in the center of town than LMH. Um, but it also has really, really big grounds, like really big, like a lot of space. Um, it's very yep. pretty. Emma Watson went there. Um, the community, That's a bit of a name drop. It is though. <laughs> and the, it's very, it's gorgeous. It's, it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, they were the first college on A-level results scandal day to be like, we're going to admit all of our UK offer holders. They were the first ones to do that. They've been very, very open um, and they are very, they're, they're, they're very open to change which as for a yeah. college that's generally quite traditional has been very promising to see and yeah they have very sporty very sporty and yeah they are they have a lake as well which is quite cool um i love worcester I, if i had if somebody said to me tomorrow you have to move i would probably go there yeah. go there yeah no that's pretty cool well thank you that's all of them done i mean that's the the ones that we know and the ones that we picked out so thank you for taking me through them though that was that was interesting enlightening yeah, I'm worried that I'm gonna. I, I've said something that's not. Quite no, right. don't be worried. But those are, those are just my. <laughs> I, and I, I'm just being honest because I know that everybody else would say the same as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're gonna move on uh, to talk a bit about the mental health side of being at a top UK university because that's something that uh, a lot of people and you yourself have mentioned that you stress about. Um, and I think it's something that's good to talk about every now and then. You know. Um, so so in general like what 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 do you think is the perception of people going to 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 oxford and how you know what they might expect uh in terms of because everyone's going to have a different experience uh, and i suppose try and do it from your own personal experience what what were you expecting it to be like um i knew it was going to be intense obviously like that that from day dot is made clear to you um but I've always been someone that thrives on academic intensity. Like I, I like, I like working and I like reaping the benefits of my work, you know? Um, mm. What I, what I wasn't, what I didn't expect was 
I found that I found the transition to university work, you know, difficult for the first couple of weeks, but relatively okay for me because I I was just very lucky that my A level specifications prepared me quite well for for the the style of work. Um, so that was actually weirdly the thing I was most worried about. That actually really was not difficult at all. Um, what I didn't expect was that school is very much like a bubble. I went to an all girls grammar school and I was always just yep. focused on getting into a good university. Um, mm. You know, that was kind of my end goal. And so getting into Oxford is something that I'd wanted. I'd wanted to go to Oxford or Cambridge since the day I heard their name. Like I was like, of course I want to go there. So I, I mean, I got in, I got the grades to get in. Um, I worked really hard. School's very much like a bubble. Um, and I would very much say that I only really got through school the way that I did without having a complete breakdown because it's such a controlled environment. But I was definitely a very stress, stressed out, anxious um, people pleaser at school, but it was fine because it was at school. Do you know what I mean? It's in like a very, yeah. it's in like a bubble. Um, getting to Oxford, I actually, I would say I very quickly realised, I didn't realise it at all until the end of my first year, which was the problem, was that my coping mechanisms, the way that I dealt with work, the way that I looked at the world, the way that I saw myself, saw my priorities um was just not set for the real world if that makes sense and i'm not saying that oxford's the real world but it's you're suddenly just very much more on your own mm -hmm. and basically the way that i coped with a levels and gcses was a lot of um burying my head in the sand a lot of um not looking after myself as much as i should and sort of catching up with it later when my exams were done um living a very sort of like unbalanced existence which worked at school because right. you know but it doesn't work at uni um because uni requires you to be like a, a, a rounded human being that's the point um <laughs> yeah and so yeah I think that was the biggest shock for me now I am much more rounded um as a human and yeah I'm a lot better at taking my foot off the gas and doing other things that I enjoy as well as my work mm. um but yeah my first year was a was a wake-up call but I would say that was the one thing that people don't rec don't realise is that you're going from a very controlled school environment where you're going home every evening and you have your meals cooked for you and you don't have to worry about any of that sort yeah. of stuff. And then you're going to uni where not only is it super intense academically, you also need to find out who you are as a person, what you enjoy, what Absolutely, sort of friends yeah. you want. You have to deal with relationships. You have to deal with relationships with friends, with, with other people, like romantic relationships. And it's all just a lot. Mm. And I don't think a lot of people realise that that's actually the really hard bit. Yeah, I can completely agree. I had the same experience going into first year. You have to sort of try and figure out who you are all over again. And you it's, have to just it's rewire yourself. Time. It's actually crazy. Yeah. You literally have to yeah. like, I, that's what I felt like for me was, I mean, we can go into this, but when I went into therapy at the end of my first year, it was literally, it was literally like taking apart all of the connections my brain had made and what my brain associated with like my brain made associations with one thing and other things and my brain just thought a certain way a certain thought path and i literally just had to reconfigure all of that to get my priorities mm. back in in whack yeah it was crazy it was a really crazy time i know you said that you, you your passion had always been to go to oxford do yeah. you think it would have changed if you hadn't have gone to oxford do you think you'd have had less of an intense experience of it I or, do you, or do you think it i think about this a lot actually because um I I would have gone to Edinburgh had I not got into Oxford. Um, I love Edinburgh. It's probably my favourite city of all time. I think it's gorgeous. Um, hmm. But I think 
Oxford's very uniquely intense in a lot of ways, but I think the problem that I had in first year was less to do with Oxford and more to do with myself. Mm. So I think Oxford definitely didn't help. Um, but I also think that it was, I don't think any uni would have helped. Um, there were certain things that made my first year really difficult that only happened because I was specifically in Oxford at the time that I was, and I met certain people and did certain things that I wouldn't have done had I gone to Edinburgh. So obviously then it of course it would have changed it, but I don't think the university mm. environment would, I think it may have been a slower realization for me. Right. Maybe slightly less painful, but no, I don't think so. Um, but ultimately, in the end, the same outcome. Yeah, I think, I, and I think it was important that it happened. I'm grateful. I, I, in the last two years of my life, in second and third year, have been more myself than I have been since the age of like 14. So I'm, I like it. It needed to happen, and it was bound to. And all my family said the same thing. They were waiting for me to just ring them and be like, "I'm really not all right." And they've been. They, they they knew it like four years before I did that I wasn't pro I wasn't coping with things the way that I should be so yeah no oh, I'm happy for you I'm happy for you that you've figured it out you know yeah I think that's important long enough, but yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I mean on the flip side do you know of anyone who went to Oxford that you sort of got to know to begin with and then they either couldn't handle it or disappeared or dropped out or because I suppose it would happen lots of people do. Lots of people take take a year out if it gets too much. Um, that's the most common thing is to take a year out and come back. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of the time the university will force you to if you've fallen too far behind on work because Oxford's so fast paced that you reach a point where you can't catch up. Um, mm. Yeah, and people have left. I know people that have left who left in first year, who've left in second year um, because it's just not for them. And like, that's yeah. so okay. Oxford's, Oxford and Cambridge are such unique environments that you either thrive in it or you don't. Um, so for me personally, it's a, it's a difficult place to be and it's very stressful, but it's also very, very, very rewarding in a lot of ways. And I've learned a lot about myself and I would never, ever change it. But for some people, the stress is just not worth it for what they're getting out of it. And at that point, it's yeah. okay. To, it's okay to say, even if you've got into Oxford and like that's what all of your family have put the pressure on you to do, to be like, this isn't for me and to go to another university where you know you're going to be happier. But people mm. drop out of all, people People I, People have dropped out of like, I know people who've dropped out of Birmingham, who've dropped out of Leeds. Oh yeah, yeah, same. I know it's, people, yeah. It's The dropout rate is higher and the rustication rate, which is where you take a year, is higher at Oxford for sure because you just don't mm. have time to think a lot of the time because it's so the terms are so short and so intense that mm. everything's just everything's very work hard play hard and then you're at uni for eight weeks where it's just work 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 and then you have like eight weeks off where it's nothing 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 it's just very intense both ways so some people don't yeah. like that lifestyle some people prefer unis where you're at uni for a lot longer and everything's a bit more mellow, mellow. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so as a youtuber though um you know being someone who's created a brand around studying and being successful at you know the academic side of life um, and then ending up in, in Oxford, one of the, you know, most academically prominent institutions in the world. Um, you must, you must be in a situation where you deal with people quite, I would say on a regular basis, probably not in person, um, but more on the online side of things that come at you from a, from a, from an element of jealousy or, um, don't understand where you're coming from. Don't understand the, the, the institution, 
would you say that you have to regularly deal with negative press around Oxford and your choice to be there and how Oxford is presented? Yeah, I think jealousy is the main thing that I've had to sort of, I think that's where the main source of negativity towards me comes from, um, which took me a long time to figure out. I was always like, why don't people like Mm. me? What am I doing wrong? And it wasn't that I was doing things wrong. It was that I was doing things right Um, and doing things, you know, and that was really hard for me to deal with because I personally don't really see myself as a person that you would, would envy. Right. for, For me personally, I couldn't see, I can't see why somebody would want to be me or would want my life. And so Mm. learning to deal with a lot of hate that came from, from jealousy is one of the worst emotions you can feel. It can ruin friendships. It can, it it can ruin a lot of things. Um, And it's a really, really horrible emotion to express in hate, like in comments, but you can, now I can see it. I can see that. Um, It start the the hate around Oxford started from the day that I actually got in to Oxford. Um, When I uploaded my video saying that I got in, I got a lot of, it started all the yeah, way I got there. a lot of comments. So because um, because Jade and Ruby had also applied that year and we'd all sort of uploaded yeah. videos on the same day, obviously with differing results. Um, yeah. A lot, actually, my day was kind of ruined. Um, it should have been a really, really happy day, but I a lot of people were just commenting on mine, like, you didn't deserve it. Um, the place should have gone to Jade. It should have gone to Ruby. Um, like, you, this is like you're like a con, like you only got in because you do an easy degree, like all of this sort of stuff. Um, And Mm. of course, Jade and Ruby deserved a place. Like there's no doubt about it. Like, um, but um, that was really, really hard to deal with. And since then, did that cause any, did that cause any divisions between you three or was it more just? I hope it didn't. I don't think it did. I think um, Jade and Ruby are both really happy where they are now. It was obviously awful on the day. Like I didn't even know what to say because I'd re- I in my head I'd gone through so many different scenarios of okay so maybe I won't get in and Jade and Ruby will or maybe none of us will get in or maybe we'll all get in but I honestly cannot stress to you enough I had never reckoned with the fact that I might get in and they both wouldn't and so it was very difficult I think for all of us because we were all getting a lot of like a lot of support of course but also a lot of negativity because people people compare us more than we compare ourselves with each other and so that was really not very fun I can imagine it was a lot less fun for them anyway so I'm not trying to say that like it was awful awful for me um but some of the comments were really I had to just turn my like I just had to look away for the whole day because people were just being really nasty and nowadays I definitely do get a lot of people I uploaded a video about Oxford stereotypes and people were just like Oxford just seems like the worst place ever it just seems so snooty and like I'm there to try and to try and dismantle those stereotypes like I I by no means had it absolutely awfully in life I was really lucky that I managed to get into the one good school in my area um by doing an entrance exam and that school was is the only reason I got into Oxford really um none of the other schools in my area have really sent anybody to Oxford in a long time. So I'm lucky in that respect, but everyone's always like, it's just filled with like posh snooty people and everyone's just really awful. And that can really get to me sometimes because I know that Oxford has got big, big, big problems, but there are also people like me and V who are all there trying to like show that you can go to Oxford. If you didn't go to private school, you can go to Oxford if you're from a family that's not super, super wealthy. So so yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, 
basically. <laughs> no, I, I respect. I respect that you're trying to destigmatize it a little bit, um, and I think that's really important. In terms of your personal journey with that, how have you? You mentioned like you know turning off comments and things like that. Is there any other things that you've really focused on, maybe in the last year? in terms of dealing with that negative press um, you know maybe being on social media less or uh i would like to say i'm on social media less when i was really really low in first year i was on it just obsessively just checking to see what people were saying and what people were thinking because i was i was in such a bad place mentally um but that um but now i would say I, I definitely go on social media a lot obviously um do i care as much no i would say i don't read my hate forums anymore i have two hate forums that are dedicated to me and i used to read them obsessively and get read that's 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 quite self-destructive uh, isn't it yeah but of course if people are writing horrible things about you you want to know what they're saying because sometimes you think oh maybe they're right um and sometimes you know like you know i'm not perfect um but it can eat at you and it makes you really defensive. It makes you a really bitter and really defensive person. It made me really defensive mm. in my videos, me trying to like defend myself. Um, so I don't, I, I can't remember yeah. the last time I read it. Um, if I see a negative comment now, I delete it. There's very little that gets to me on YouTube anymore, really, because I've been on it for so long and I've, what I really have learned to value um, what my friends and family think of me that's what's important to me if yeah. my friends and family message me and they say you've done something wrong then of course then i will take that to heart and i will change but if i've got anonymous people on the internet telling me that i'm eating my breakfast at the wrong time or that i i've gained weight or i've lost weight people love to comment on my weight um which for someone who struggled with food really really badly for a long time is really not great but um i don't really care yeah anymore because i'm like who are, who are you i watch videos on youtube all the time that i'm a bit like okay but do i take the time to go to the comment section and write something horrible no i just click off the video and so yeah it shows a lot more about them than it does about me really that they're willing to absolutely yeah we're going to talk about that in a bit um a bit in a bit more detail in terms of aside from your personal experience and a bit more in terms of like general Oxford. Do you think Oxford gets sort of like a negative um, association because of the atmosphere that you've talked about a little bit amongst the colleges? Yeah. Um, you know, that atmosphere of almost superiority, um, either that the students perpetuate or the tradition of the institution itself perpetuates. Um, do, you, do you feel that that's the case? Yeah, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, really, because the university is, it has been ranked this year, the best university in the world. So it's the best university in the world, right? So that's, that's what yeah. the ranking tables think. And the style of teaching there is different to Leeds or Manchester. That doesn't make it better than Leeds or Manchester to go to, right? It, you, whatever uni you pick yeah. is a personal choice. And I know people that are way cleverer than me that have gone to Leeds or Manchester or whatever and who are doing very well for themselves and whatever. What Where Oxford and Cambridge do differ is that their terms are very short. We have eight week terms and we have all of the work that normal university students, see this is what I mean, not normal, but like non-Oxford university students have, but we just have it compressed. Mm. And that's what makes Oxford difficult. It's not that we're out here like intellectually superior to everybody else. Honestly, I've had some language seminars where we've been going over like the verbs, the, the vocab for trees and stuff. Like we still do just basic stuff. 
but it's just right. very compressed and it's very fast paced and the amount expected yeah. of you is a lot which should be expected because you know they're, they're very hot on their academic rigor at oxford that's their favorite phrase academic rigor even during the even during the pandemic it was like everything's going ahead as normal because academic rigor you know we've got to maintain that um so i would say i get a lot of bitterness from people who are like you just think that you're so much better because you go to oxford i'm not saying that i feel like i'm better than anybody else as i've said i literally feel like i suffer a lot with thinking that i'm worse than everybody else um but <laughs> it's different it's a diff it is different the teaching style is different the term structure is different and it means that the experience at oxford mm. and cambridge is very unique um and yep. a lot of people at oxford or cambridge will tell you that they feel like sometimes their friends at other unis don't understand how different it is just as i wouldn't understand what it's like to go to leeds though right it's just this it's a two-way street mm -hmm. but because it's oxford people automatically assume that the students fancy themselves something special um i'm really proud that i got into oxford but i don't look i don't oh, look at be. anyone who's gone to another union think oh lol peasants you know like it's just i just it really it really baffles me I, it was a decision that i made personally to go there and i do complain about it but just as everybody complains about everything like it's just normal like you're you're allowed to complain about things that you don't like about your university regardless of it's oxford or cambridge or whatever so yeah but no i think the uni fancies itself something special whether the students really do I don't know. Some some probably do, yeah. It, do you know who really fancies themselves something special? The parents of students that go to Oxford. They love. Oh yeah. They love it. I can imagine. My mother, honestly, no one asks. <laughs> She's like, yeah, yeah, my daughter goes to Oxford. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're just like, God, stop it's saying it. It's just in the middle of Tesco or something. And you'll just be like, oh my days. <laughs> She'll just randomly tell yeah. someone. Um, we're gonna shake it off a bit. Play another game. We're gonna have a bit of a laugh okay. now. Um, so. I, funny story, I went and met up with someone from Cambridge uh, to just chat about like what it's like, you know, I'm trying to research, I'm going through all avenues um, and Cambridge in many ways is quite similar to Oxford in some of the traditions um, and some of them do cross over to Oxford. So what we're going to be doing now is I'm going to be chucking out to you some of these odd traditions yeah. <laughs> that I've found at Oxford yeah. and um I'm welcome for you to throw out any I miss um, because inevitably you, you will know more about it than I do. Um, but I'm going to throw them out to you and you just give me give me some context about if you know why or if you know what it is, more about it, that sort of thing. That would be great. Okay, go for it. So, this, yeah, this is going to be good. This first one is something that a lot of collegiate universities, in my experience, do and it's the sort of weekly college meals but i think oxford does it a little bit a little bit fancier than, than most I'd yeah say. so again it's really difficult because each individual college does it differently and so some colleges at oxford it's called a formal that's what the meal is called and basically a formal is where the formal, yeah. it's just a bit more of a set meal like your meal is served to you you pay for like three courses and you get bread and you get all of that jazz um, but mm. every college does it differently. So some colleges have formal like every weekday, but they, as long as, um, as long as students are wearing their gowns, so Oxford has like gowns that you wear for exams. As long as you're wearing that, you could be wearing your joggers and it doesn't matter because a lot of colleges have got systems where you, you essentially have to eat in hall and you you pay for it in advance. My college does it once a week on a Friday, but you have to get dressed up. It's like a, it's like a smart thing, yeah. but you don't have to wear a gown. Some do it like where they have some casual ones where it's like they have two in an evening where they have like 
normal formal, which is where people, as I said, people just go in their joggers. And then they have like smart formal, like a little bit later. So every college does it differently. Yeah. But it's re- I love it personally. That's a lot of things. That's one of the things that I get a lot of hate for is like, oh, you really like, why did you go to this fancy dinner? But we pay like £12 for like a three course meal. You bring your own wine. Yeah, it's Biden. And you just, it's all candle lit and you get to get all dressed up and you sit with your friends and you have a really nice dinner. And then you go to the bar and do karaoke afterwards. And it's a lovely Friday evening after a stressful week. <laughs> so... It sounds like a laugh. It's like a really, really sounds fun prees, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'd love to hear it. Right. This second one, you've sort of already mentioned it, but it's the gowns and the dressing up for exams, yeah. which blows my mind. Like, so <laughs> what is going on? don't dress up anymore, I don't think. They voted to abolish it. But in Oxford, we have what's called subfusk, which means it's a Latin word, has something, some Latin, special Latin origin. But it basically is this mm. sort of, uniform almost that you wear when you're getting enrolled so there's like a ceremony when you get enrolled into the university and you wear them for exams i personally really like it okay. because i get really stressed trying to pick what i'm wearing for exams and i quite like the for- like the formality in a way um it, basically mm. it's black bottoms and a white shirt and your gown so there are, the one thing i don't agree with at oxford is that there are two types of gown there's your commoners gown which is the one you have in first year it's a default um, and it hasn't yep. got sleeves. Um, I actually prefer it, I'm not gonna lie. Um, and then there's the scholar's gown, which you get if you get a first in your first year or in any of your subsequent years. I don't like that division between commoners and scholars because why are you gonna call people that have got two one commoners? Are you serious? Um, so yeah, that's and you also wear a flower. So we your your the people in the year above who are sort of like responsible for you are known as your college parents. We have like college families. Yeah. And um, they will buy you. <laughs> this this was one of the ones that I that I've got on the list. Oh, okay, so cool. go for it. Yeah, they'll buy you like <laughs> your flowers for your exams. And so you wear a white flower for your first exam, and you wear pink ones for the ones in the middle, and then you wear a red one for your last one. It's something to do with like the ink bleeding into the flower, like the ink of knowledge or something. I don't even know. But that's I mental. Actually really, I, I really <laughs> like that as well because when you're walking down the high street and stuff, you see people with their flowers and you can see which exam they're on and you can wish them luck and if it's their first or their last. So I really like that tradition. Um, but yeah. So so it generates a bit more of a community. I li- we, well, they, they gave Oxford students the chance to get rid of it and we voted to keep it. So people do like it. I, I, I personally... Yeah, I read that. It can be yeah. a bit annoying sometimes, but I personally... I did my exams in a heat wave, so it wasn't the cutest thing, um, which wear like a blouse. Um, but no, it, it makes you feel like you're going to an exam because the exams are in a special building and everything. So it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds cool. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I get behind the, like you say, the commoners and the uh, the scholars That's aspect of it. a hotly divided topic in Oxford still. They, they, they think that yeah. you shouldn't have a special gown for getting a first, but yeah. Mm. There we are. This third one, uh, do correct me if I'm completely incorrect with this one. It's not a tradition at all. Uh, all I've got written down is carnation. What is does that? that does that, that ring was a bell? the flowers. What, what? That's the flowers. Yeah, they're called carnations. Ah. So I've already explained that one. <laughs> Boom, done it. You're you're way ahead. And then you already explained the next one, which is college parents. But just for a bit more context, at the Uni of York, we have like uh, these things called sticks, which are like second and third year like carers sort of thing. Is it similar yeah. to that, or is it more long? term like so basically when you get to oxford you're assigned college parents that doesn't necessarily have to be a mom and a dad that can be like um yeah it can be like three moms i had three moms um and (laughs) 
Oxford, very progressive. Uh, yeah, when we're, you, we're showcasing how progressive <laughs> when it is. When you first get there, on, I think it's the, the first night you're there, they cook you dinner and like they just, they're just sort of people in the year above that have been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Most of the time they do your course or a similar course to you. And you also have college siblings. Yeah. So it just gives you a little bit of like, just on the first day, like a, um, people in the year above that you know. Some people are closer to their college parents and others. I personally did not hear from my college um, parents after really the first term. I mm. will admit that I was not the most present college mother because of COVID as well. I'm close to some of my kids and I haven't spoken to other like. So you're a college I parent. I am. I have, I have <laughs> as well. children, I think. Um, I would say I'm really close to like one of one of them and I talk to two, two others and I, I don't really talk to the fourth one, but like th- that's just how it is. Like It's like the estranged some, fourth some, some child. Some people want to get involved in that, some people don't. Like it's just a personal preference, but it just means that you've got like a, right. you also have college grandparents and things, you know, it's cute. It's nice. It's, it's very interesting I'll say the, that the only time it does get awkward is when like romantic people sleep with each other yeah i was just gonna say brings, yeah then it's a bit like oh yeah. brings a new meaning to incest because <laughs> you're all families yeah, and parents it's a bit weird because like <laughs> technically they're not related to you at all obviously no. but but with know, the weird yeah. with the weird college thing of being parents and things like that it, you know on a surface level it kind of makes it look like that but that's funny yeah, absolutely. Right, number five is uh, fellow. People who follow you probably know what fellows are. I did a bit of research about what fellows are. Um, it's quite a weird scenario. I'm not going to lie. Like People get honoured for doing something particularly good in the college or the university, and then they get given the fellow, and they become like godly. I don't know. <laughs> what? Tell me about it. Yeah. And I think I can't remember exactly what you have to do to become a fellow, but there's like a special fellows lawn in like every single college. Like there's one section of grass that only fellows can sit on and walk on. It's so um, weird. <laughs> obviously, when you're drunk, you're literally like, look at me, I'm on the fellows lawn. Um, but um, no, so we also have what's called visiting fellows who are like celebrities that are sort of like guest fellows. So they, they're invited to like sort of come and talk and have a say in the college for like a year or so um we had emma watson last year at lmh which was super cool um we've had some really cool ones um but yeah i honestly couldn't tell you exactly what you have to do to become a fellow it just it's basically just means that you get like a load of privileges yeah and like i said that that one college where you're automatically guaranteed to become a fellow when you graduate yeah that happens as well yeah yeah the idea of being a fellow seems cool on the surface um but some of the weird privileges that i'd imagine have been in existence for thousands of years since the university was in you know conceptualized is is quite odd you know with the grass and yeah absolutely. (laughs) i'm not sure if this next one is one that happens at oxford but i know it happens at cambridge um it's like these special fellow dinners where the fellows pick a selection of students and they bring them to have like a super bougie 12 course meal um in their like in these like you know like super wood varnished rooms like proper old hogwarts style is that something that happens at oxford Um, i can imagine it probably happens at some of the posher colleges um it doesn't at ours we have um we have a we have like a a scholars dinner where if you get first your tutors will invite you to come for like a really bougie dinner but it's not 12 courses and it's not i don't know we don't have that but I, I can imagine maybe they do have fellows. We might actually have fellows in it. Maybe I just don't know about it. But I can imagine it like Christchurch or something. Probably right, would, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> it would be uh, interesting. I've never tried to eat 12 courses. I'm not sure if I could do it under pressure, surrounded by loads of academics. 
<laughs> you do usually get free wine at those ones. Yes, though. I heard the, that as well. The special ones, you get free unlimited wine, which is dangerously awful. Mm. But yeah, accidentally become a little bit too honest around some. <laughs> oh, I've made a fool of myself in front of many a tutor. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, you've already covered the not walking on grass, which is mental. Um, this one I couldn't remember the name of it. You've mentioned it in your video. I couldn't remember the name of it because this was uh, a few weeks ago, that I, uh, maybe months ago, actually, that I saw the video. It's post-exams when you finish, and it's like that spray-down thing. What's it called? It's trashing. Trashing. That, trashing. Yeah, so trashing is um, it's a really lovely tradition, actually. Um, it's kind of like, so basically when you finish your exams, you come out of a certain entrance, like of the school. Like if, you, if, you, if you've still got more exams, you just go out the sort of back door. If you come out of your final exams, you come out of a certain entrance at the back of the exam schools and um, all your friends will be waiting there for you. Um, and they cover you in like shaving foam and confetti and glitter and just everything. Nowadays, we try and be a bit more like eco-friendly about it. Um, and you also tend to have like a big bottle of alcohol sprayed all over you. And, Sounds um, like a dream. Lam- usually <laughs> Lambrini. So they sprayed a bottle of Lambrini all over me and they also bought me like a two litre bottle of Lambrini, which I finished on the walk back whoa which was awful i was oh my gosh i was it was like 6 p.m and i honestly couldn't see i was so drunk but i think as well because i hadn't really eaten that day because i was so nervous about my last exam Mm. but it's really cool and like your friends will come take photos of you and then we tend to go back and um sort of get most of it off and then jump in the river as like a a big final thing which is really really nice it's a really really lovely tradition and you get some really cool photos out of it as well i can't wait till my fourth year exams when we do it again. But I was the last person to finish out of all of my friends, which was absolutely miserable at the time because I finished, I started before all of them and I finished after all of them. Yeah. But it meant that all my friends came and trashed me, which was really, really nice. Awesome. So. That sounds lovely. Does it get bigger and better in fourth year? Is the like, or is it just uh, sort of a similar I think repetition? It's the same. Yeah, I think it's the same. Yeah. I think um, it's just so exciting to finish your exams. And it's also really fun to spray other people with. <laughs> yeah i can imagine yeah. we need to do stuff like that at different unis so that's something that we could it doesn't just have to be an oxford tradition that sounds like something i that think could. i think it's really fun i don't know yeah. why more places don't do it it's really <laughs> fun <laughs> are there any traditions or like weird things that oxford does that i've missed uh, we have so many that it would it would it would require a whole a whole different um podcast just de- de- dedicated to <laughs> traditions we have loads um, a really wholesome one which other, i think other places obviously celebrate may day but oxford is like really big on may day yeah so on the first of may you're supposed to go out clubbing on the on the third wait 30 days in september 30th of um april I had to do the little song in my head <laughs> and figure out one um and you're supposed to go out clubbing and like stay out all night and then at 6 a.m the maudlin choir like sing from the tower, uh, the bell tower at like 6 a.m. and the sun's rising and like the whole of Oxford is there and there's like a big street parade. And then you go for brunch and then you're supposed to just go straight to your lectures. I I didn't manage to work clubbing last year, in first year, because I was really just not doing very well at the time. Um, and I'm really annoyed now because I won't be able to do it in second year either. I, I couldn't do it in second year because of COVID. And then in fourth mm. year, I'll have exams. So oh, I really, I'm, I'm, I really I'm sorry won't. for making you have that realization. <laughs> it's okay. I apologize. Right. I think, I think, I'm not gonna lie. I might, 
I might actually do it in fourth year because my exams aren't until the end of June. And I think that we have we have balls as well. Like each college has like a big ball. Yeah. Um, every three years. And as is as is in my fourth year, and it's like the fourth of May or something. And that's gonna be like my last blast. Like that that mm. is the cutoff date for me having fun between then and my exams. <laughs> so I think I might just make that week a bit of a crazy week where I'm just enjoying doing all of the chaos mm. and then head down to do my exams. Yeah. It sounds more and more like Harry Potter every every time you mention something new. Do you it, is, ever... it has its it has its Harry Potter vibe. Yeah. It does, yeah. Do you ever do you ever yeah. look up and just and just like wonder whether you're you're living in some sort of like Charles Dickens novel or yeah. or like a movie? <laughs> it's weird because you do get used to it, but you have moments sometimes when like the sun hits the buildings at a certain angle or something where you're like, oh, this is really lovely. And I'm really sad, as I said, I've only got one more year left now. It goes so quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope not too quickly, and you can enjoy some of the moments while they happen. Because I'm going to save a fourth year. For yeah, all it, for all it is. Yeah. We're going to graduate, and then it's going to be like <laughs> it's all downhill from there. No, I'm joking. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm excited for I'm excited to graduate. I've got like cool plans after I graduate. Hopefully, if all goes well, but also I'll miss Oxford for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, right. Thank you so much for that. That was brilliant learning more about Oxford every day. Right, I'm going to move on to talk a little bit about your role in student media because I'm quite involved in student media and I think it's really important. Um, since being at Oxford, you've gotten involved in the student newspaper. I believe it's called Cherwell. Um, Indeed. Yeah, that sounds like a really cool project to be involved with. Um, why would you say that student newspaper or, or indeed student media is important at universities? I think... They always get a bad rep, student papers, um, but they are so important because if you want to become a journalist, you need work experience, right? And it's so mm. difficult to get that. Working on a student paper means that you get the experience to see how to like lay out a paper, the basics of news writing, all of these things that you definitely wouldn't be able to do anywhere else. Um, but also, I think, honestly, it, it it does build such a lovely community. And I think that I, I've made some of my real, real like best friends through the mm. paper and it really just gives you a sense of something that you can work on that's not your degree yeah um and like i loved i didn't really get the office experience because i was deputy editor in the term where we were all stuck at home um but normally you know you get to spend your thursdays in the office and you can go out and get coffees and you're just sort of all hanging out together and it, it's really nice you know so mm. um i think it's just a really important like it doesn't matter if nobody reads it it's giving you the experience and the friendships and the connections that you need to like go out into the big wide world yeah. when you want to become a journalist so what have you been most proud of doing with Chilwell in terms of like a publication that you've edited or a story that you've run what would you say that, that has was, been most rewarding i was really proud of the fact that we adapted quite quickly to covid and we did yeah. four magazines rather than a newspaper um and so we, we we just published them online for people to read which i was really really proud of um in terms of a piece that i've written i was really proud of um i wrote a piece on actually ironically like the pressure to be productive um during mm -hmm. lockdown and sort of the toxic sort of hustle culture that we can all fall victim to and that actually got a surprisingly really big and really lovely response so i, I was really proud of of writing that um and seeing that i wasn't the only person that felt like that so yeah no that's true actually i've i've experienced that feeling of being in like you know you see people being really productive and then you hate yourself for not being productive and then it's like you think you should be doing more and it, you know you end up you know in a bad in a worse yeah, place than you it's were a vicious cycle yeah. yeah 
but it's, it's it's good that you mention about like what the newspaper was able to do during lockdown like uh, i'm part of a student radio s- uh, station and we were able to continue broadcasting during lockdown even from home because uh, our computing department developed this software to allow us to do it and it was like i don't know what lockdown might have been like if i hadn't been able to do that show it would have been considerably worse i can tell you that I think something that, that is a, an important thing that student newspapers do, especially, um, I've seen it done on radio, uh, but it seems to be it seems to be less um, less accessible in radio, and it's holding uh, the university to account, and it's holding um, student unions account. I've seen I've seen in radio that people generally are quite nervous about holding universities and and, and student unions account because yeah. that's where they receive a lot of their major funding. And there's sort of like a bite in the hand that feeds you sort of situation that yeah. happens. Um, but I've seen a lot of student newspapers seem to have the opposite tact and that they have yeah. the opportunity to, to, to be more, you know, critical of, of decisions that universities make. Do you think it's uh, a key role of student newspapers to hold the university to account? Yes, um, 100%. That's what we're there for. Um, Chairwell's not funded by the uni. It's an independent newspaper, which means that we yeah we can kind of we really can hold the university to account because we're literally not even affiliated with the uni even slightly which is great um i think that that's that's so important especially in oxford a lot a university like oxford where there's a lot of mystery at the top and i think there's the same as a lot of unis but oxford especially is very 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 stressed about its reputation and very stressed about how it's looking um and there's been lots of cover-ups yeah. of scandals and things um for, for example, around sexual assault or something like that. And I think it's mm-hmm. really important to get people's stories out there. And that's some, that's why student journalism is really important because a lot of stories aren't important enough to make the mainstream news. Of course, Oxford makes the mainstream news quite a lot, but um, some stories are important to students and should be told. And the university has backed down before, changed its course because of the pressure that's come from us publicizing a decision that is quite questionable. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome to hear that. Um, has the newspaper held to light issues on like uh, access and diversity amongst the colleges or, is, or are, the, are you yet to tackle that? No, we, uh, that cover, that. we cover that all the time. Access statistics, um, colleges that have only admitted, for example, I think there's one college or it might have been the whole uni. Like we, we reported on like basically like how few black students um, they'd admitted um, and how... Mm. And like, you know, and then when you go in contact sort of like the big cheeses for comment, then they have to come up with an explanation for why it is the way that it is. Um, and there are certain colleges that are uh, really good on access. So we've reported on the foundation year, for example, as I mentioned, but also yeah. we've, yeah, you know, there are colleges that could do more and should do more. And so honestly, a lot of the time, it's not us even attacking them. It's just publishing the statistics and the statistics speak for themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah it just brings them into the public eye basically so yeah it usually does on a, on a situations like that you don't have to really write a slander piece if the facts themselves are so damning um, what would you say from your experience of being in the Chowell newspaper and, and reading these statistics what would you say that the university can do to uh, improve Would you? is it just a case of letting more people in lowering grade boundaries or is it is it more com- complex is it rebuilding the university image to make it more appealing or it's 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 so complicated 
Um, it's not just a, like, I understand why they don't want to lower grade boundaries, of course. They want people that are achieving a certain standard. But also by the same token, what they need to realise is that a lot of people are just not getting those grades because they haven't they haven't got resources to. And so we have the foundation year, which means that people who would have otherwise got the grades yeah. and deserve and have the academic potential to do just as well at Oxford do get a place. Um, it's annoying as well because a lot of the a lot of the problems that Oxford have with access do come from you know like you know countrywide inequalities you know postcode inequality mm-hmm. and of course you know they they're not responsible for a person's upbringing but as, as a university that is so ridiculously wealthy they could influence it and they could for example work more closely with the government to address those brute factors Oxford has this really bad habit of saying well it's not our fault that like we just we just we can only do so much because the people come to us as they come to us and we can't influence how they've grown up and stuff which yeah. to an extent is absolutely true but also you know they they have a lot of money they have a lot of wealth they have a lot of influence they have a lot of power to change the status quo um to lobby the government to to you know to say like we shouldn't be we shouldn't have really really bright students that are just not getting places because they've not been to a good enough school um they have got a lot better they have circumstantial flags means that they put flags next to people's applications if they come from poorer areas if they come from a school they always look at your grades now in context of how you've achieved compared to your school if you get five a stars but everybody at your school has got five a stars that's way less impressive than someone that's got aaa in a school where the average is ccd um mm-hmm. and that is they take that into account they take your school into account they take your personal background into account they do they have got better at that but ultimately oxford still has absolutely enormous ac- access problems and i think yeah a lot it, we could go a long way by changing the reputation of oxford and showing like look you as a state school student will can do just as well here as a student that's come from Eton. Um, and that's kind of what StudyTube is all about. That's kind of what um, access projects like Foundation Year are about is, is sort of leveling the playing field a little bit. Um, but it's, again, the things that I've just mentioned are really the tip of the iceberg. And Oxford access is a really big problem that it's very, very complicated to solve. Um, and the uni are making yeah. moves. They're just making them too slowly, basically. I mean, it sounds like you're doing a hell of a lot to improve things in the ways that you can. Do you feel in any way responsible or for for being a, 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 a vocal like mouthpiece for the things that university does and how they can improve? And have you ever had anyone approach you to say that you've, like influence their decision or improve their opportunities or yeah i get that a lot actually and i don't think my brain really processes it but there are actually some people who ended up applying to oxford because of videos of mine um i'm really grateful that they did apply um but i just can't really fathom that do you know what i mean i don't like it when people thank me and they're like oh because of you i got into oxford i was like no because of your own hard work you got into oxford but I'm glad that I've made Oxford feel like it is for more people because that is what I'm here for. I want to show that if you want, you don't have to come to Oxford. It may not be for you, like, you know, like, but if you want to, you can and you should apply. I don't, I, I wouldn't say I feel single-handedly responsible for, you know, promoting access and things like that. I know I've done not my bit. Um, I've done a lot. I've done what I can, um, but I could always be doing more myself. Um, yeah. You know, there are always access initiatives that 
you know, I get so many emails and so many, I'm, I'm only human. I can, I can't spread myself mm-hmm. too thinly. I can't promote every single outreach thing. I can't promote every single open day. Um, but I'm hoping that my videos are contributing in a way enough. And I, I'm proud of, I'm proud of the influence that they've had. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just from the people that I've spoken to on this podcast, everyone sings your praises. So I know you, and I know struggling to take a compliment. You're like going, no, don't compliment me. I don't <laughs> but like, it's like people do. No, I really don't. I, no. I, I can't deal with compliments. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll move on. Um, circling back to what we spoke about earlier, uh, probably right at the beginning, actually a little bit about body image and body positivity um, and your experience with that. And I mean, my experiences as well haven't always been positive um and i mean especially at university i think i watched one of your videos where you were talking about how you sort of balance fitness and um studies and by the sounds of it you you basically you're only really doing exercise outside of term time do you think that do you think that affects your mental health as well yeah it's 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 really I'll put my hands up and say, you know, I'm not, I'm never going to be a gym lad. I'm never going to be um, someone that exercises a lot. In first year, I did not look after myself at all. At the, like, so as I, as to circle back to what I was saying about like in, when I was at school, um, it was academics or bust for me um, because I really cared, you know, I really cared. I want everyone to do well. Um, I didn't really exercise that much at school either, to be honest. I used to dance, but I quit that in, in year 12 because I just had so much work and I really wanted to focus on my studies. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, naturally, as I got older, I get, you know, my, my figure filled out. I, I come from a very long line of pear-shaped women. Um, I couldn't really help my hips getting bigger. Um, that was going to happen no matter what I did. And that's a whole other topic, but... Um, I did gain a lot of weight in first year. I noticed it, like I didn't feel good in myself. I I, I gained weight around my face a lot. And so yeah. I just look unhealthier. My skin was absolutely awful. Um, I wasn't I wasn't feeding myself good things. I was eating ready meals, no. delivery, whatever was quick and convenient. And I'm mm-hmm. not gonna lie, even in second year, I cooked more, but I didn't cook enough because I, out of all of my things in my life, so like social life, sleep, academics, like food was kind of the one that was always convenience. Yeah. Not even, um, and I didn't exercise. I don't exercise when I'm at uni enough. I walk a lot. I do I do an average of like 12,000 steps a day when I'm at uni. Um, but I only really exercised in exam season of my first year because I, I, I thought that might make me feel better. It didn't, spoiler alert. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, so when I'm, when I'm in fourth year, I'm definitely gonna, um, definitely gonna prioritize exercise because it does make me feel a lot better. And I'm, I'm not gonna be doing many extracurriculars in fourth year um, because I'm not, fourth year is gonna be, you know, obviously back a bit in exam mode, but I'm eating better and exercising are very important to me and I don't prioritize them enough. I, I, I will admit that I don't, but as someone yeah. that's had a very toxic relationship with eating and exercise growing up, I think that's probably why I don't prioritize it because as soon as I do, I always run the risk that I'll fall back into very dangerous habits with mm. it. And so it's about finding that balance. Now I'm abroad. I've got a lot more time to cook. I've been eating a lot healthier. I still go out and enjoy my life and, you know, 
eat Absolutely, out and yeah. things. But honestly, the food in Germany is so much less processed anyway. If you go out for dinner, it's like you're getting a home cooked meal. Um, but yeah, no. So now I've got a bit more free time and I've realized how nice it is to cook. I'm hoping in fourth year I can kind of bring all of them together. But that, as I said, uni is such a learning curve about yeah, trying to absolutely. balance everything and I, I will be the first to admit that I am not perfect I do have a lot going on in my life though so I, that's probably why <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying not to sound like some sort of doctor now. I thought that was like, are it's you getting okay. enough sleep? Are you oh, walking? It's okay. That's what that's all of the comments I get on my YouTube in first year. I, I, I actually watched a couple of my vlogs back from first year the other week and it made me cry just because I looked so unhealthy and like my life mm. was so unhealthy. I was drinking so much yeah. alcohol, eating so many deliveries, a convenient like mm. meal deals and um, I just looked unhealthy um, and my my natural body, okay, am, am I really happy with my the way I just naturally am? That's a whole other question, but I could tell that I'd put on weight beyond that, if that makes sense. And I just yeah. wasn't good. I didn't feel good in myself. I didn't look good. I looked tired. I had no glow behind my skin. Um, so yeah, hopefully, we, obviously during exam season, it's really difficult to, to balance and I, I wouldn't be expecting anyone to be exercising regularly through exams, but yeah. No, no, I've, I've been the exact same, like, especially since lockdown hit, you know, you have those walk-in tracking apps where you can yeah. track how much steps you've done. Literally, as soon as lockdown hit, it just took a dive off a cliff. Like I yeah. was like maybe averaging like a few hundred steps a day and I was just looking at it like going, oh God, like yeah, this during- can't go on during term time like the corona term i was doing non because i because the only reason i was walking a lot at uni was because i was going from class to class um but now i've got an apple watch and that's really good it, it, it <laughs> reminds me every hour <laughs> no but it, it's really it, was, it was it wasn't actually as expensive as i thought it would be and it's good because it reminds you to stand up i can check how yeah. much i'm moving i did actually fall down my the stair like the stairs um four days after i got here and i really badly rolled my ankle um and it's still quite really, sore so i've i have time really to making your mark yeah I, I have time to exercise now but i've actually not been able to for a month because my mom was like please don't exercise on it until you're 100 mm. percent sure that it's not yeah. gonna hurt you've so got to be careful it's actually ankles. really annoying now because i do have time to exercise and i should be exercising but i actually physically can't now without risking making my ankle worse because i struggle to walk on it long distances let alone do a workout so yeah it's a vicious cycle that you're in. <laughs> um, I'm hoping I'm going to try as of as of Monday. I'm going to try and start doing like not jumpy workouts, but just sort of gentle ones that don't require too much pressure on my ankle. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll see. And I mean, on your YouTube, obviously you 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 talked about it. You did beauty stuff, and you know you you do workouts every now and then that you promote on your YouTube channel. And you've talked about how you've had to deal with sort of people commenting about the way you look um does it still get to you about that body shaming side of things or do you just try and ignore it it's what gets to me the most for sure um because i'm i i will put my hands up and say that i i'm not very sick i don't i don't really like the way that i look and i'm all for promoting self-love and stuff but also it's quite difficult for me to do that when most days or a lot of the time I'm, I'm still not entirely happy with what I see in the mirror. I've, I've struggled really badly with like body dysmorphia, which means that mm. especially, uh, especially the week before um, my period, I just, I see myself physically completely different to how everybody else does. Like 
I just look bigger and I'm not um but I've always been like that actually like I just don't see I just I've, I've always had a very toxic relationship with the way that I look so it does still get to me and so when people comment that I've gained weight I get really paranoid and I will admit that because I, I don't want to be out here being like I'm absolutely perfect I've gone through this really big mental battle and I'm now really happy in myself all the time I'm not um and I still struggle with certain things and I, I'd say weight is one I'm someone that mm. now has got a much healthier relationship with food but then there's the danger that it tips the other way and I eat out too much and I go out for drinks too much and so for me it's definitely the bit of my life that I've not really I it's it's a work it's still a work in progress basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hope i really do hope that you figure it out i mean it's a it's an issue that i've personally dealt with as well um, yeah like first year of university you know talking about trying to figure out what's going on and eating was the opposite for me like i didn't eat any like takeaways or anything like that because i was very tight on money but i also wasn't eating that much food that i was preparing myself because i just didn't know how to do it like i was still learning so it ended up being a situation where i was losing a lot of weight and then ended up looking quite like unhealthy um quite quickly and my parents noticed and it was like it was quite a scary time and when it happened i was like i made a decision like i'm not gonna let that happen again because it properly scared me and i was like you know i don't want to be in that situation where i'm you know not eating enough and it was yeah it just it just freaked me out a bit a lot of people yeah, yeah. i think you you do kind of go one of two ways i think you either the novelty of university sort of gets to you and you just want to eat out and go for dinner and like do takeaways all the time and um you know if you're lucky enough to be in a financial situation where you can do that then it's quite easy to mm. fall into that trap or yeah you you really don't eat anything and you're not eating enough nutritious food and that can also be really bad for you but honestly i would say that that is one of the hardest things to get right at uni because you are busy and also you have to remember you are cooking for one person and cooking for one person is so difficult it's so difficult <laughs> it to to do a food shop that you know that you're going to use all of that up um it's really hard so i think that i think that everyone should cut themselves a bit of slack when it comes to food i'd say that that's definitely one of the hardest parts about going to uni is learning to cook for yourself mm. yeah definitely and i mean you said before about how you're so busy at uni and you struggle to do exercise and things like that was another challenging one as well like trying to trying to form that routine that early on it's like it's difficult because you know you want to you want to stay healthy and you want to maintain that that like you know routine of going to the gym and eating right um but yeah the, the stress of like losing weight and and then you you look at yourself in the mirror and it's like you you keep seeing someone different yeah than what is actually usually the case it's, yeah uh, also as you grow up your weight does fluctuate like that's just natural um yeah. i for one have got again in the in my family like um you know like our, we have like genetic issues that means that we can put on weight very easy we can also lose weight very easy so my, my weight naturally fluctuates a lot um and so you also have to take that into account you know it's natural as you get older that your body changes and grows and forms. of course it's not natural if you're gaining abnormal amounts of weight or losing abnormal amounts of weight um but a lot of people really struggle with myself included that when you sort of get to 18 or 19 especially with women you, you know you've, mm. you've gone from sort of like your childlike body to your body sort of filling out your thighs getting bigger for example your hips getting bigger um and you can't I, I can't change the size of my hips my hips have grown like so much since i joined uni and i look at photos of me from when i was 17 i think oh my god i was so skinny um but like i fit like i fit even if i like i like, th there's nothing i can do about that and a lot of women especially struggle with that because 
yeah that's an, a change that might not be welcome and obviously if your hips get bigger your thighs are going to get bigger and nobody wants to get bigger thighs um well, well actually to be fair these days people do because that's kind of the trend but you shouldn't be following trends like you know it's a no. personal personal thing but i that was that was the one for me was was my hips um and i still don't like how big they are but i can't do anything about it so what do you think about fitness trends and when fitness becomes unhealthy uh, and, and body trends it's it's all it's all just so toxic it's i just i can't stress to you enough like i honestly think that the only reason that most people myself included have got such toxic ideas of what it what a normal body looks like is because on instagram and stuff like you do just see overwhelmingly skinny tanned people who are perfectly shaved and they've got no spots and everything's just perfect and then you look in real life and you look at your friends and you think no like nobody actually looks like that nobody looks like how they do on social media in real life don't get me started on tiktok because i i did it tiktok anyway um because i just found it quite toxic but like the why i, I eat hate day- tiktok well yeah because the why in a daily videos would either be like oh i'm eating like a really really healthy green smoothie and then like a huge bowl of vegetables and stuff that i've had time to lovingly prepare myself and i'm eating all my nutrients or it would be oh lol i got up at like 11 and then i had like a coffee and then I had like a cigarette at lunch and then I just forgot to eat for the rest of the day tee and that's also not healthy so no don't get me I just honestly the the main core the main source of body dissatisfaction comes from comparing yourself with others in real life yeah. let alone to to edited photos on social media no don't don't even get me started on it it just really I, I contributed to it myself though I would always post photos of myself with my splattering angle and stuff like that like yeah it, everyone it, does it, that it, it's a toxic culture it. that it's a self-fulfilling yeah. culture yeah yeah you may not be able to answer this question but I think it's important to answer ask it what do you think it's going to take for you personally to be happy with the way you look loving how um it's been a it's been I've I've struggled with it for most of my teenage years um since the age of like 13 um i've yo-yoed i've i've lost a lot a lot of weight and really really restricted my calories and had very disordered eating um and i've also gone completely the other way um i don't really know to be honest i think i think that that just comes with time i'm definitely happier and i'm mm. I've, I've accepted that it is what it is if you know what i mean yeah yeah um will i always compare myself to my friends yeah probably will i always yeah i think it's just because i don't i even i know that even if i exercise loads and i got absolutely ripped i couldn't really change like the core shape of myself if that makes sense even if i went mm. down to my lowest healthy weight i would still not look how i want to look but then all my friends who don't have an hourglass figure are like oh my gosh i would kill for your curves and so it's just it's you're always going to be a little bit i i would love to sit here and say that i feel like i'm beautiful just the way that i am and i do i have a lot of love for myself and i'm what i i i you know but you know it's it's a work in progress so i don't really know um that is a perfectly acceptable answer yeah like, i don't admitting want to be that you don't know like yeah, I don't want to be out here to my followers like love yourself just the way you are because you should. But um, I know it's difficult and it's easier said than done. And so yeah. I I don't hate myself by any means. Um, but I also have days where I try on something and I just feel a bit frumpy and that's okay too. Mm. 
No, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for talking me through that and your experiences of it. I really appreciate it. No, it's okay. Yeah. I feel so, like honesty is the best policy with things like this, especially when I've got a following. It would be really, yeah. it'd be even worse for me to be like, yeah, I'm now really happy with my body when I'm not. So, you know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another big thing about you that, you that you're very passionate about is StudyTube. Now, I talked to you a little bit about this in the pre-interview and I admitted to you that I literally <laughs> never um, used it, uh, never even considered it as a, as a solution to my revision issues which were quite important like just to give you a bit of context um in my first year of a levels i completely just wrote off trying for some reason i don't know why um i just didn't try i turned up for my first a level history exam um which basically it's if you don't know the sources and you don't know like them like you know properly you basically can't compete like you know there's there's no chance and I knew nothing I was okay. sat in that exam and that is the first time I'd been genuinely stressed that I'd messed up badly there um, and then the complete opposite happened in year 13 where I was like I knew I'd you know messed up in first year so I went the complete opposite way and just stopped socializing it was work 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 because I knew I wanted to go somewhere and not just fail at a level um, yeah so can you explain what the Pro Study Two project is about and, and why you think it's useful to people and why it could have pro possibly been useful to someone like me, maybe. Yeah, maybe I'm course. not the target audience. <laughs> <laughs> Study Two was kind of born by accident, but I think it was inevitable that it was going to happen because there was a massive hole in the YouTube market, right? I mean, growing up, I watched like videos like by Zoella, like what's in my bags and vlogs and challenge videos and all this. But the main audience of YouTube, like YouTubers is like six, like, you know, 12 to 20 year olds, um, all of whom, every single one of them has got to go through school and has like has to get an education, right? And yeah. that's why it became as popular as it did because I, I, I uploaded videos thinking what I thought was very rudimentary advice that I'd got from school or from people in my life. And a load of people were like, I've never heard that before. And then I realized that I've taken for granted the fact that I've received like a really, really good education and not everybody has that luxury. And so mm. StudyTube is fantastic because it makes all of these revision tips accessible to anybody. As long as you can access a computer you know, like you can learn how to organize your time, how to budget, how to revise for all of these different subjects. And you just have a wealth of advice at your fingertips. And it's also a really lovely community um, to share tips and to motivate each other. And the reason it took off the way that it did is because as I said, every single person who, who is of that age has to go through it, you know? Yeah. And we all, we all, we're all very different. All of, all of us focus on different things. Like um, Jade is very like positivity and wellness and, you know, she eats very well and she yep. exercises. So she that's does. kind of her. We chatted thing. about food with Jade. It was fun. I enjoyed Jade that. eats very healthily yeah. and she's got that bit of her life on lock. I don't. Um, whereas I'm sort of more here for um, the sort of like, not reality because obviously Jade's life is her reality, but you know, a bit more like I kind of mess up sometimes Um, just trying to show that all sides of studying um, as well. Not that Jade doesn't, I just mean like I, I'm just very different to Jade. And so we, we both bring different things to the table. 
um and i i sort of show like practical tips study with me etc yeah. etc et um so yeah we all we all bring something totally different to the table jack brings something totally something totally different to ruby who brings t- something totally different to me and everybody can find the study tubers that work for them and also they motivate us so it's like a it's like a win-win a lot of the time yeah did you ever use study tubers um and that sort of content yourself when you were going through it or was um, it was it was it were you naturally able to just motivate and know these things because you you were you were doing it you were making the content i used like so i didn't use study tubers as in as we know them now when i was doing my gcc's but there were certain study youtube channels who were like adults like teachers yeah like primrose kitten and um my gcse science guy and all of that and mr bruff i use them religiously um uh and i i attribute a lot of my grades to them um but i didn't use study tube when i was doing my gccs because it wasn't a thing it was only when i uploaded a video being like how to revise i i sort of was starting around the same time as ruby around the same time as jade um and so it kind of was born through us um and that was the first sort of study tube video that i'd really seen where i and people were like wow more of these please more 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 and then the the demand has never really died down since but um during my a levels i i will actually admit i actually tried to avoid them a lot just because i'm a study tuber myself yeah um i didn't want to i'm very i as i said at the time i was very prone to comparing myself to other people and things like that and because i was also a study tuber i felt a lot of pressure not only from my viewers but from other youtubers that they didn't put on me i just felt it um you know, like study with me's from other study tubers. I was thinking, am I doing it wrong? Like, mm-hmm. are people not enjoying my content? So, I'm aware that study tube can also be quite toxic. So it's yeah, about finding the balance. Yeah, no, I'd agree. What do you What do you wish you had known? I mean, you probably have most of the answers yourself. Um, but if you were to look back at that experience of going through A levels, and you were to really think of a few things that you wish you'd known about revising or studying or stuff that you've learned what would you say that that's the most important make your notes from day dot is the key one just make sure your stuff make sure when you come down to sit down in april may june to revise for your exams that you're not having to create the revision material from scratch do it as you go along and you'll thank yourself a million times um for one Number two, you can still have a social life and you should still have a social life. In year 12, I didn't have a social life at all. In year 13, I actually relaxed and did better as well. <laughs> so, so it's the exact opposite of what I did. <laughs> yeah, basically. But you, sh- you should definitely socialize. You definitely, you know, you know, your friends and family are still really important and your exams are the be all and end all. And do subjects that you like. And I know that that's what everybody says, but don't pick one because you think it's going to be good for an application like i swear to god it will be the most miserable two years of your life yeah if you don't do subjects that you like no absolutely definitely listen to that advice it's good advice (laughs) right we're going to be wrapping up very soon um i just wanted to talk about what's coming next in your in your life what's your plans like you know you're in germany now you're in berlin you're studying a year abroad and then you're coming back to finish up in oxford but like what what's the plan for the future? What what are you want? Yeah, good question. Um, so obviously <laughs> because of because of because of COVID, um, 
I've always been a very regimented planned person. My life has kind of already has always had its next steps. Yeah. And I've always kind of known where I'm going next. At the moment, I have absolutely zero clue. Um, I know that I will be going back to Oxford in October 2021 to do my fourth year of uni. Hopefully by then the pandemic will be gone. gone. Be um, gone. If not, then oh good God, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Um, but right now, yeah, so I'm here in Berlin and well, again, I can't even say for certain for certainty how long I'm here in Berlin. I intend to be here until literally just before Christmas to fly home for Christmas. But obviously, if, then if I have to quarantine, I'll have to come home earlier. So I don't have to spend Christmas Day in yeah. my bedroom. Um, plan is to be um, doing various internships and stuff here until Christmas. And then I was supposed to be going to see Billy Joel. Oh, no. First birthday in New York. Um, it was supposed to be a whole week holiday. I was supposed to touch down in New York on my 21st. Um, it's not happening. Talk about that. It got <laughs> postponed to twenty. It got postponed to March twenty twenty two. Yeah. So I am still going, and actually, it will be really okay. nice because it will be a lovely little. It'll be a lovely little uh, break before my finals. I really mm. have to revise for my finals, so no stress from there. But yeah, so now uh, January, I ain't got a clue what I'm doing. It's my twenty first. Not gonna have a clue if I'm even gonna be able to celebrate my twenty first. If I might just not gonna lie, postpone my twenty first until we can actually celebrate it. Um, so January, I'm kind of at home for now. I don't know what I'm doing. And then I, I plan to go to Argentina to do a semester studying journalism in Buenos Aires. That's supposed to be for cool. July. Yeah, but who knows? I mean, I could end up in Spain. I, I, like, I don't know. I am very much taking it as it comes. And then do my finals, um, which is a set year. Don't like to worry about that. That's all set for me. Um, hopefully there'll be no more pandemics uh, please um and then yeah i'm planning at the moment to do an nctj at news associates um i was always set on living in london but after being in berlin i've realized that london really isn't the place for me it's just too busy yeah so i think i'm probably going to go and do it in manchester i really like manchester so yeah basically i'm going to apply from various different grad schemes and programs and whatever but i think that's probably the most likely course of action so it sounds like you've got a bit of a plan, which is important. Is well, it's it, usually I would be like, yeah, I do, but I mean, my entire year abroad plan was completely destroyed in April, and I had to. I've now sort of mm. had to rebuild it literally month by month. Yeah. So I wouldn't say for the next year of my life, I don't really know what's going on. But from October twenty twenty one onwards, I've got another year or so of relative plan. Yes. Plan. Plan esque. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was... A shape of a plan. <laughs> I was speaking to Jade, and she's going to Berlin. Um, I think she's, she's already here right there. Now, yes. She's already she's there. Yeah, she's the with road. you. She's she's just down the road. road. Yeah. yeah, I thought you could give her a ring, get her to come on again. Um, she was talking about how going to Berlin was like that decision to choose something out of her comfort zone. Um, yeah. And to to you know not choose the easy route, um, and and you know try and see what what she makes out of it. Uh, has that been a similar situation for you choosing to be in Berlin, or is it just a course? of your degree i think it was probably definitely harder for jade because a it was very last minute and she was supposed to be going to korea and yep. then obviously she'd been learning korean she doesn't speak german um she's trying to, to country, learn isn't she of course but moving to a country where you don't speak the language is daunting that would be like me moving to like france now i would be a lot more daunted because i don't speak french um and i think for jade it was a lot more last minute and also she had the choice between London and Berlin. Obviously London's very familiar for, for Jade. 
uh, and for me to be honest um but i also did a language course in berlin last year so i lived in berlin for a month last year yeah and so me moving to berlin was not that much of a step out of my comfort zone um me living alone in an apartment and adulting yeah okay kind of but i've always been quite independent whatever me moving to mm. buenos aires on the other hand that's going to be that's I, I, lived, I went to peru for a month with my friends last year but i was with my friends and it was all very sheltered and me moving my like that's just so far away and such a different vibe and i don't know the culture and yes i can speak the language but not you know fluently fluently so that will be my that's going to be so far out of my comfort zone um that you just can't even see the line of my comfort zone anymore um <laughs> but i'm excited and i always find that coming out of your comfort zone always brings the biggest rewards um yeah so i'm excited to see what happens but yeah um jade's actually living very 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 close to where i lived last year so um super super cool um and yeah i'm excited to see her when she comes out of quarantine and teach her some german oh so. yeah she's still is she still in the two-week quarantine from, from she traveling is. yeah she is and for another week or so um so when she's out then i'll definitely go and see her but obviously right now i'll be a bit of a health hazard so yeah steer clear right well, thank you so much. I'm going to wrap it up. You've been an amazing uh, guest to talk to. Honestly, it's been so much fun. Um, I oh, hope you've glad. enjoyed yourself. I have. Um, it's been weird to speak uh, English for like this prolonged period because um, usually yeah. I'm having to like stumble my way through in German. Yeah, broken um, so German. Yeah. It, yeah, very broken German at times. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been nice. I've never done like a podcast just about me before so it's a bit of a new Ooh, you feel a bit special <laughs> I, I the do, star treatment I do. I do I like obviously I have a YouTube so I talk about myself a lot um but yeah it was it's a different experience when somebody else is genuinely asking you about things and I I was thinking I've had to think about things today that I've because obviously I've not really been in Oxford for a while now that I had to really mm. <laughs> dig deep yeah so, <laughs> so yeah really get their memories back yeah no i'm glad it i'm did, glad that yeah. it's been uh i'm glad that it's been enjoyable on that level yeah it has been it's been really fun i hope you've enjoyed enjoyed it as well so oh no it's been good um this is it's, it's sort of sort of uh sad because in real time um i don't have a plan to record another episode for quite a few months now i'm planning to hopefully do more um but i go to uni tomorrow so um this may be in real time the last one that i record for quite a while um, in terms of when people hear this, this won't actually come out until mid-November. So technically I have tons of time to record an episode and catch up. But um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm in a bit of a situation where it's like, it could go either way, you know? So Yeah, of course. Odd. Yeah. Changing times. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, wherever you've been listening to this, Spotify, give us a good rating. Uh, check out the highlights on YouTube that will be coming out uh, in conjunction with this episode. And yeah, I'm not sure when another one will be coming. Um, so I'll see you at some point in the future. <laughs>